in 2017, um, I got injured and my right arm was completely paralyzed. I remember that I entered the room and everybody was looking at me like a stranger. That's the moment that I realized the huge uh, influence of clothes on our lives. And at that point, I decided to live my previous career and just get into that research. We've got a call from the Israeli Paralympic delegation. None of the companies that design clothes for the Israeli Paralympic delegation. Have you noticed any growth in, in the sales? It's, it's an interesting question. And I think the, and at that time, Nathaniel, my co-founder, passed away. Welcome to this uh, podcast series all about adaptive fashion or inclusive fashion. I am going to be speaking with Shay Senior today, um, who is the designer at Polter and has done many things as well. I know that you're doing um, a search engine now and you've worked with the Olympics. A lot of things to discuss today. So I will let you do your own uh, intro and then, yeah, we shall get chatting. Hello, uh, Vaughn. So thank you very much for inviting me to, to that podcast. As you know, I always like to share my personal story, the story of inclusive fashion and how did I get even to that word? Because if you ask me seven years ago, I don't see myself in any form uh, getting into the fashion world. But in 2017... Um, I got injured in my right arm and after a surgery, my right arm was completely paralyzed, which I had to learn to do all the activities of life again, starting with only one hand. Was that a, a car accident or? or... No, it, uh, it was during a sport training and I fell with uh, oh. an, another person on my back, like something to... to take a lot of weight and I fall on my right arm with the weight of both of us electricity all over my arm and uh, I, I realized that something wrong <laughs> and at that point I was working as a consultant uh, around the world in the unmanned vehicles industry which requested a lot of times to wear a very strict and specific outfit um, let's call it the formal wear. And at that time, it was almost impossible for me to get into those clothes. It would hurt, take a lot of time to put on the button shirt with one hand. And then to get into a blazer or a suit that is fit to your body, it's not so simple to do when you're, you have only one hand or your hand cannot fold into the sleeve which made me feel very frustrating. And at that one day that I decided to wear what I feel comfortable in and not what the people in the room are wearing, that's the moment that I realized the huge uh, influence of clothes on our lives and how do we feel and react depending on what we wear, that clothes are much more than a fabric on our skin. Um, I remember that I entered the room and everybody was looking at me like a stranger. Even though those people already know me, they know what's my profession, what I'm doing. Since I was not dressed like them, it was feeling like I'm so different than the rest. And, you know, there was no space to say, hey, guys, I just went through a surgery. 
I'm not able to wear those clothes. It's not that I'm wearing it because I don't uh, think the clothes that you wear are the right clothes or I disagree with, with, the, with the style that, that the other people have. I, I'm wondering, actually, what were you wearing? I, I was wearing a long sleeve. It's kind of a polo shirt, but elastic fabric. So I could fold put my hand in and then bring the rest of the shirt, which you cannot do with a, with a button shirt because then it's full of wrinkles and, and you cannot take off the blazer because it would be a shame. And on top of it, I had kind of a bomber jacket, but very fine, um, elastic pants that, look elegant like elegant pants but are very stretchy and, and easy to wear but my issue was mostly with the shirt and shoes since i cannot uh, wear shoes with laces it was also be very problematic because when you wear formal clothes most of the time you would take on a leather shoe with very thin uh, laces that are most of the time harder than normal laces and because i don't have power in my right arm they would open up so i was wearing uh actually it was sketchers sketchers have like a smart foam shoes but like at the top you know business at the top sport at the bottom yeah that that that's the type of, of shoes that i was wearing so the outfit was very much on the uh, stretchy. The, the garments didn't have buttons, but I didn't use them. I mean, in the pants, you know, I would just pull them up like trainings. They would have the front button and everything, but until today, I, I'm not using uh, pants that are not elastic. Um, most of my jeans are with some... Uh, elastin into it so it makes it a little bit stretchy easier for me to pull it up uh, with one hand I hate skinny jeans because I need my hands to put them on and to take them off I mean it's that's also you know if there's a year that that's the trend a lot of people with disabilities are going to struggle denim is quite a difficult one because obviously you want that skinny jean look but it could be an elastic one, but it's still going to be fairly tough just because of the nature of the fabric. So I remember that I took all my button shirts to the rehabilitation center and I said, okay, I'm going to start doing alterations because I understand that I need to wear these clothes if I want to continue working. I got to look like everyone else, but I want to simplify my dressing process. And when I started putting magnets and Velcros and uh, creating different elasticity elements in the sleeves, I've realized that many other people in the rehabilitation center with similar um, issues or different disabilities would come up and say, hey, do, do you know how to sew? So maybe you can make me this change in my clothes. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, I'm not the only one with that problem. Probably many people around the world are dealing with the same. And that made me uh, very curious about what actually exists now in the internet. I mean, I knew that I'm going through a long rehabilitation process, but at the end, 
my right arm is going to function. But what about all those that don't have an arm or their arm is not functioning or they have dexterity issues? And I went online and I remember that everything I saw was so geriatric and uh, not fashionable that I said, what am I going to do if my hand will not get back to its uh, previous condition? And at that point, I decided uh, to live my previous career and just get into that research. I created questionnaires in four different languages. After six weeks, more than 1,000 people with disabilities answered, and it was like poking the bear, and now everybody's waiting for you to do something. So Netanel Yuda Levi have joined me. He co-founded with me Palta. Like Until then, it was me doing it uh, as a freelance. And we realized that our first goal is creating a community, community that understands the values of inclusive design, um, which is a definition that we learned from a friend from the, from the product uh, sector, industrial designer, that made much more sense for me than adaptive design because if you first solve the need of a niche group and then you realize that it also works for the rest of society, it means that your product has a higher potential to not be thrown, wasted. We had a conversation with Fashion Revolution, which are mainly focused on sustainability, but a lot of activism for a better fashion world. And they invited us to pre present our clothes in a fashion show here in Israel. And we thought it's a great opportunity to... Uh, show what inclusive design looks like to fashion designers, people from fashion media, in order to start uh, creating more conversation around that topic, not only locally, but also uh, global. The idea was that models with and without disabilities would be walking, rolling, uh, whatever, on the catwalk, wearing exactly the same clothes. So someone with a disability would come out wearing something and then very quickly after, another person without disability would walk. And the goal for us was that people would ask, what's here for people with disabilities? And when we got that question at the end of the show, we realized that we were doing something right and that we have the ability to create something that not only is functional, but also looks good on different bodies. Since both of us are not fashion designers, it was always in collaboration with um, local designers that either have a disability or have a connection to that word uh, first grade. And we have learned a lot through that process about how it is also to design as a person with disability and the different mindset that you have thinking first about the functionality. We've got a call from the Israeli Paralympic delegation. The leading athlete uh, was part of our community. She was very uh, pro that movement of inclusive design. Uh, until 2020, none of the companies that designed uh, the clothes for the Israeli Paralympic delegation have done anything related to adaptive design. 
And I have seen it uh, for a while as a goal because I defined strategically Paralympic athletes as the leaders of that revolution. Uh, you know, naturally, those are the people that most people without disabilities would know because they bring medals for the countries. Uh, they are much more aware of them. They might be on, on TV. And then if those people bring the conversation, um, it works to both sides, the community of people with disabilities and the community of people without disabilities. The Israeli delegation uh, was 100 individuals, 36 people with different disabilities. And making a long story short, but having a very long uh, research and personal study about each one of the participants, we were able to make 98% of the individuals to wear exactly the same outfit and only two of them that needed personal adaptations because of asymmetric bodies, etc. But more than that, we got 36 ambassadors of the story of Palta that were in Japan talking about what we have done, how was the process like uh, with designers, with other athletes, and that just brought a lot of uh, new and other people to have an interest in what Palta is doing. And we've realized that our knowledge cannot stay to just be a brand for people with disabilities to shop because that know-how needs to be shared. I always uh, say it and I write it in every uh, post about collaboration that we have that our power is to collaborate. And if we want to make a change, we need to work together with others. That's the innovation today. And hopefully we see some more inclusive clothing as well for the Olympics because I have uh, also thought about that for all the teams all over the world that I'm sure they're not all adapted to their needs. So surely there has to be a lot more work done in that field. Some of those companies have contacted us since uh, Tokyo um, right. and where we've been able to help, uh, we've gave... We gave our insights from, from the design process, like production sites, etc. Um, as I told before, our goal is that people would be able to do that and not to create challenges for others because we want to be the only one. At the end, we don't win anything. Were there any drawbacks specifically? Because obviously, um, as you said, it's not something that's really been done before where we have inclusive garments in these settings. Um, I think the biggest challenges I've faced so far, so as you mentioned in relation to the Paralympics, because we were the first ones to do it in the world, so there was no one to look at in order to learn from in relation to, okay, that's what they've done in the past. Um, it was a challenge and, and it was very scary um, to do that. At the end, they're going to uh, be on the global stage. It's going to be in the news. Um, everybody's watching, as we say. And I think the most important thing that made me stay calm uh, with that 
challenge was that the athletes were involved in every single step that we would do. So there's no situation that I would guess something about how it, it would fit or how it wouldn't. Always we had people trying it on. It was a day and night sessions with individuals that they would try, give feedback, and we'll, and we'll get back uh, to our tables. And I think that challenge actually by passing it and, and seeing the success of that collection, I really got the belief that inclusive design is the right way. And that's the opportunity for every designer and, and, and fashion brand to really meet the needs of people with disabilities, but not only because it's needed, but because that, that's the real way to stay alive, you know? When we were, starting, when we were trying to start from a, from a very niche group at the end, it makes it, uh, it makes the price higher than most of the other things that people already know. Because when, yeah, when you start small, it costs more. Um, it's very hard to convince someone to pay more for a product when you're a small designer or a brand. So in your experience when it comes to uh, obviously the sales side of things or at least just kind of um, breaking through this inclusive fashion scene, have you noticed any growth in, in the sales or in general are people actually buying this? Um, it's, it's an interesting question and I think the, the biggest challenge of adaptive clothing brands is that at the end people want to buy from companies that their peers are buying from and they would prefer to buy from uh, fast fashion or general audience fashion company uh, a garment that less fits their needs but they will feel like everyone else than to buy from an adaptive brand and it's a psychological process that people would have to go through if um, the adaptive brand will be enough on media, which is another challenge because we don't have such a big marketing budget in order to compete with local or global brands and take audience from them. So what we mostly get uh, at the early stages of, of an adaptive brand is people that cannot find clothes anywhere else. But what we want is actually the people that are buying from big brands to buy from our brand. That's our way of growth. So I can see that there are a lot of collaborations between retailers and small adaptive brands. That's also something that is very helpful because it's kind of uh, enabling more trust for the community to say, ah, okay, now they start selling it in Marks & Spencer. I know Marks & Spencer. I can buy Marks & Spencer that adaptive brand product because I feel that I'm buying in Marks & Spencer and everybody sees me in Marks & Spencer store. The online shopping is you and the computer and no one else sees you. But still, people have the influence of what people around me would think, what is the brand that I'm wearing. If someone would ask me, oh, where, where's your shirt from? And I would say, adaptive brand. 
that could put me in a situation that I don't know how to deal with. And that's, I believe, a very important thing that the story of an adaptive brand would be very clear. Like the, me as a customer, when I buy it, I could very easily explain what they're doing special. If I'm able to tell that story to other people with or without disabilities, that's one of the most important things as a small brand, that people will have the conversation around your garment because of the garment, not because of what you saw for people with disabilities. Nathaniel, my co-founder, passed away last September, which is exactly one year ago. And I think that uh, it's important to mention that besides the mission that I have as an individual with disability to create an experience for people like me uh, to shop online, it's also his legacy of uh, bringing to awareness the needs of people with disabilities in daily life and our ability to be part and the importance of individuals with disabilities being responsible of where and how we are considered in society, not waiting for anyone else to do it for us. Um, so it's important for me to mention and uh, in, in memory of Netanel. And since he passed away, um, of course, we've made an, a new team. It was a process and, and I had to um, connect with, with new people in order to take this thing forward. But I'm very happy for the opportunities that I had with him and the opportunities that I have after he passed away uh, to continue and learn from his philosophy, how to continue doing it step by step, um, paving the way to the result that we're expecting. Well, he's definitely left a mark because um, what you guys have achieved so far is just amazing. I know it's super sad to to lose um, a team member, especially kind of at this peak of your journey, or at least, you know, when you guys are doing a lot of work in the industry. So, of course, our website and my email is always open for anyone that wants to ask. Um, we're much into education. I love to speak with students or uh, people that think to go and uh, in going into fashion schools and not sure what it means or what are the opportunities and if they don't want to be the ones that are making the clothes. Um, for me, it's important, you know, to give my voice and say what you can do joining the fashion industry without studying fashion design and what do I see that fashion designers are capable of doing and their power if they start their own brand or if they work in a bigger brand, making uh, big changes in that industry. Um, so yeah, I'm here and, and I'm always happy to, to talk with new people and to hear uh, personal stories, to help others to deal with their challenges. Um, if we want to live in a better world, we need to be better people. And on that note, <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, this really insightful chat. I think it's been very uh, interesting to hear more about your story, a lot of things that I didn't know uh, about yourself and, and the journey. And yeah, I'm really excited for the future. I think there's so much more uh, that I'm going to be hearing about. Keep you updated. Thank, Thank you for you. your time, Juan. It was great.